And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28 And this is the Acts of the Apostles. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Sean. Today, we are starting a new study. Uh, we'll be examining the Acts of the Apostles. Um, now, we've been through the book of Acts several times, uh, but I wanted to take a little, uh, I guess, a deeper look into it. And I wanted to kind of approach it with, by kind of putting aside what I would call pet doctrines and preconceived dispositions and things of that nature. Because while the book of Acts is a historical work, not necessarily a theological work, uh, a lot of uh, sects of Christianity and a lot of groups really like to take a few things that are in the book of Acts and completely twist them to their own destruction, in my opinion. They twist them to fit their pet doctrines. And I see it on, I see it in multiple groups, even groups that would be opposed to one another theologically. They, they each do this to make their doctrines work. And, um, there's a lot of prophetic things that get attributed to, uh, what modern dispensational, dispensational eschatology would call end times. That's not really for that. Uh, when the book clearly says it's for the moment they're living in right now. And so there's all these things um, that are really being warped in, in our generation in the last 70 years specifically. And so I'm going to approach it with just letting the Scripture say exactly what it says, which inevitably, because it'll be harmful to pet doctrines and harmful to preconceived ideas and theological concepts is going to upset some people. And uh, I've prayed about this. I've looked into it. Uh, I've uh, really tormented myself over it in many ways because I know that's going to be the case, but it is what it is. And we're just going to teach what the scriptures clearly say. And if that offends every single group that I can think of and imagine, then so be it. With that backdrop, which I know sounds a little ominous, let's give a uh, just a minute here to some background about the book of Acts. And then we'll get started. We're going to read chapters 1 and 2 this morning. So the first thing to to note is that the book of Acts is actually written by Luke, and it's addressed to someone named Theophilus, and it's unknown who this Theophilus is. 
uh, but he's, you know, we don't know if he was a believer. Um, his name actually means lover of God. Uh, we don't know if it was a believer or if he was a Roman official of some importance because Luke addresses him as like the, uh, let me just literally look at it here. He addresses him as, well, I guess he just dresses him as, as Theophilus, uh, but I was thinking maybe in some translations he uh, addresses him as like uh, most excellent Theophilus and things of that nature. So it's addressed to him, but we don't really know who he is. Uh, the Greek manuscripts, they, they do title it Acts, uh, but many add the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, the study Bible I'm reading suggests that it really should be translated as, or would be more properly called, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Uh, since what we see, the main theme in the book of Acts, is this sovereignty, the, the superintending works, uh, the significant works of the Holy Spirit through the early church. And uh, we see the this Holy Spirit's direction kind of controlling and empowering and ministering ministering and strengthening the church as it grows uh, throughout this story. So that's kind of the backdrop or background uh, to the book of Acts. And like I mentioned before, it's a historical work as opposed to a theological work, but there's still some theology here which is clearly spelled out. I mean, it's very clear. And yet, because men are men and people are people, uh, we have a tendency to twist things. And really, it's not that the intent of different groups of people is to lie or, or to twist. It's that when you have pet doctrines that you keep so close, you see everything through that lens. And so... For example, if your obsession is the pre-tribulation rapture, I'll use that as an example, everything is about the rapture. Have you noticed that? Like every scripture somehow is about the rapture event. And you can pick any doctrine that you want, and if people make it their pet doctrine, meaning they have a narrow focus, this is the only topic they think about or study, then everything is about that topic. And we see it with anything... I mean, you'd pick, and that's what people do. And because they do that, they kind of misinterpret and unintentionally maybe twist scriptures to their own demise. All right, I think I've set that stage well enough. You know where I'm coming from. Let's get started, but before we start with verse 1, we got to go to the very end of the book of Matthew. So Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. This is what it says. Now listen closely. Open up your hearts and listen as if you've never heard this before. Okay? And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus says, before he ascends, 
to the right hand of the Father, which is also important. All authority. What's all mean? That means all. All authority, not just in heaven, but on earth, has been given to me. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. And he says, go therefore. He doesn't say just go. He says, go therefore, meaning in light of what I just said, because of what I just said, in light of this information, that information being that I have all authority in heaven and on earth, as a result of that, therefore, go out into the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples, teach them to follow what I've command, and I'll be with you. So that's the Great Commission. I made that statement a few weeks ago. Christians are living in fear and acting as if it is Satan who sits on the throne instead of Christ. A lot of that has to do with bad theology, bad eschatology. Of which even myself am guilty of perpetuating and believing in the past. All authority in heaven has been given to me. As a result of that, go make disciples and disciple the nations. And so that is an important passage to start with. Let's get to verse 1 in the book of Acts. Here's what it says. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gather them, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with the water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all of Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas. Barmathew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, 
and with his brothers. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons were together, and said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all of his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field was called Hakel Damah, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it, and let another man take his office. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out of among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them. And the lot fell to Matthias. And he was added to the eleven apostles. Chapter 2 When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Please note, it says that they were speaking in tongues, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And what you will find is this was not um, inaudible or unintelligible tongues. The gift of the tongues was for the purpose of sharing the gospel, and the form that it took was not some random of sounds, but it was speaking in other languages unknown to them so that the audience, those who maybe didn't speak their language, could hear the gospel and believe. And then that's confirmed here, as we'll see. Verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and resistance of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia 
Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Please note, here's one that's going to upset some people. Peter is saying to the crowd, what you're witnessing right now is the fulfillment of the prophecy written in Joel chapter 2, starting with verse 28. And he's going to quote that prophecy. Again, this is to them, to that generation, about them, and about that generation. Let me read the prophecy, and then I'll rant some more on this subject. So he says, this is what is spoken through the prophet Joel, and then he begins to quote the prophecy, starting with verse 17. And it shall be in the day, in the last days, God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women. And I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. Now, if we didn't have any preconceived notions, if we hadn't heard dispensational eschatology taught in the last 70 years over and over and over, this wouldn't be a problem. But because of those things, it is an issue because we, many of us, most of us have been guilty of making this about us. Because one of the problems that we have in Western Christianity is everything is about us. And about our generation. Peter is saying, and it's very clearly what Peter, Peter just said, but this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. But then you might say, well, the very first, says, verse, first verse says, and it shall be in the last days. Well, he's talking about those last days. He knows what Jesus preached to them, saying, this generation, meaning you guys, won't pass away until all these things come to pass, meaning the destruction of the temple and the death of millions. And when you see these things start to happen, flee Judea into the mountains because it's going to be terrible tribulation. Judgment is coming upon this wicked and unbelieving generation who has rejected Christ as Messiah. Remember, even when they were given the option to either choose Barabbas or choose Jesus, would they say, we want Barabbas, and then they make this statement, his blood, meaning Jesus, be on our heads and our children's heads. Right? 
Peter knows that that day of judgment is upon them, coming. Something new is happening. And what's happening in that very moment where they're speaking in tongues and doing these miracles through the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment also of what Joel is talking about. That he's going to pull out his spirit on all mankind. Furthermore, because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross, now anyone who believes doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, where you're born, where you're from, that no longer matters. As Paul says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, this is the fulfillment of Joel, which you're seeing right now. And you say, well, what about the signs and all that stuff? Have you read Josephus, the great historian who records some of the things that were happening right at this time and, uh, during the time of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD? I continue on. Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God did perform through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by a predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to be undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. It's right there. Peter's quoting Psalm 16. Continuing on, verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on the throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but, the, but he himself. The Lord said, but for he himself, meaning David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Please note, where did Jesus ascend, according to scripture? To sit at the right hand of God, right? That's very clear. Matter of fact, this psalm, Psalm 110, verse 1, is the most quoted scripture from the Old Testament in the New Testament. It's quoted by Jesus. It's quoted by the apostles. It is the most heavily cited scripture the lord says to my lord sit at my right hand that's where jesus ascended to the right hand of god until when 
How long? Until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You see, the church has really forgotten its destiny. It's forgotten its power. It's become cowardice. It's become defeated. But that's not what the scriptures say about it. Here's the word therefore again. Peter says, David said about Jesus, the Lord sit to my right hand till the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, in light of all this information, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. What's Paul saying? He's saying the same thing that Jesus said before he ascended. All authority and power has been given to me over earth and heaven. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So, who's going to be saved? As many as the Lord will call. Verse 40. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that, my friends, is the first two chapters of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. I'm sure that some of you have been challenged, some of you are probably angry, and some of you have been greatly blessed. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let the word speak for itself. Let the Bible be the ultimate authority, not doctrines, not men not YouTube prophets, not podcasters like myself. Let the word be the ultimate authority. Let it say what it says. Thank you for listening. Quick reminder, this podcast is 100% listener supported. We don't have any gateways to, or, you know, paid doors that you have to go through to get to the content. It's all available, available to everyone for free. So please consider supporting it by going to scriptureandprophecy.com, clicking the support tab. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.